I mean, again, that's kind of getting into the the head of like the user in that scenario is like, okay, is that my the end user of this piece might not be the customer uh, that's going to buy my coffee subscription box or whatever, but the end result, the end user of this piece of content might actually be like journalists who are going to be writing about coffee, which helps you know in branding your company and and again getting some links uh, to your site. So. Yeah, just kind of thinking about how your content is going to be utilized. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us on another edition of Between the Pages. We've got some fun announcements to make before we get into today's interview. We are officially going to be repping the magazine, Pages Magazine, at MozCon. That's right. We're going to have a booth, a stand set up at MozCon this year to promote Pages, the magazine. So if you are a subscriber and you are intending on going to MozCon this year, come hit us up. Come let us know what you think. We're super excited about this and uh, couldn't be more pleased with the exposure that we're getting for this magazine that we care so much about, love so much, and hear so many great things about uh, the acceptance of this magazine in the industry. So powerful. So thank you very much. We're excited about that. MozCon 2019, Pages is going to be there. Come check us out if you're going. That's some good stuff. Let me also update you on where we're at. Some people have asked us and wondered kind of the growth of the magazine. What's happening with the magazine? Where are we going with the magazine? And, um, you know, to be honest, there's a lot of this is just a, a an idea that we could get the message and the content of SEO out to a broader audience uh, to reach a demographic that is currently not being reached. And if you've met me before and we talked uh, before about the magazine, you've heard me say this, that we're really good in the SEO community talking to each other, but we're not so good at getting our message out beyond us. Uh, We, if you've ever been a part of any type of conversation online about SEO, it can get uh, very heated. It can get passionate. There's lots of energy. There's lots of emotion behind the work of SEO that we do. A lot of testing, a lot of proving, a lot of challenging assumptions and challenging ideas. And that's what I love about this community. Uh, But it's also very isolated, meaning that the broader digital marketer we find doesn't really know what SEO is. For those of us that are in it day in and day out, boy, we love to talk about it. We love the debate. We love to discuss, but we're not really good about presenting this information to those who make the decisions about SEO, those who make decisions about the spending money and budgeting and approving projects. And uh, so you see a lot of segmentation in organizations and a lot of misunderstandings about SEO and uh, it, it just gets messy. And so we wanted to create something that can bridge that gap uh, and, and really help try to draw together the digital marketer and the SEO and, and really further and advance our industry, help it take another step forward. And so a magazine was a way, I thought, to break that mold, to step out and to do something that nobody's really doing. Uh, we don't do this because we're in it to make money. I mean, making a magazine is actually really expensive. And uh, we've been very fortunate to have the partnership of Page One Power to support the curation of this magazine. But we didn't want it to be about one brand or one voice. So what we've done is we made it basically open source. It's a, it's a magazine by our industry for those 
outside of our industry, a way to introduce SEO topics and content uh, to a new audience. And so for those of you that get the magazine, you know how much the design is a part of it, how much we communicate visually as much as we do through the, the words on the page. And so that's really important to us, something that you, you can hold in your hand, you can share. It's, it's something to be proud of. And uh, so we created this thing, and it's been blowing up, actually, uh, really received well, really excited about that. When we started out uh, sharing this magazine, our subscribers were predominantly those in the SEO community. And uh, again, it was like an 80-20, uh, those who identified themselves as like an SEO on some level versus a business owner or a C-level executive. And, uh, and we really worked hard to try to, um, to broaden the reach of this magazine. We just the SEO community doesn't need another thing of content. Like we, we have enough of that. People are doing studies and sharing information all the time. Uh, but those outside of our community still do need it. And so it's been really interesting to see over the course of the year that this magazine has been in existence. We've only done five issues, four in 2018 and one in 2019. Um, what happened was our subscribers actually flipped. So now we're getting 80% that have identified themselves as business owners or C-level executives and only 25% of those being the SEOs. Now, SEOs, right? It's not that you can't get this magazine, but really it's not for you. And in fact, you, the content in it might be a little surface level. It might be a little, you know, well, I already know this information. Well, yeah, because it's not for you. Um, and so we really encourage you to share this with people uh, that um, you might feel like need a soft introduction uh, into this community. And you can hand them the magazine. Heck, subscribe for them. Uh, it's absolutely free. So, uh, you know, that's that's what we're doing. So we've seen a subscriber uh, increase. We see a 30% growth in subscribers quarter after quarter. Uh, we didn't know what to expect. And so uh, that was really exciting for us. And we believe this year after we go to MozCon, it's just going to help uh, further the awareness of this, this product that we're making. So uh, those are some updates from... My desk uh, is the editor, chief founder of Pages. Uh, just to share with you some of the things that we're working on. Really excited about this uh, this project and very, very thankful for those who have contributed and those who are about to contribute and those who have accepted it and have promoted it. Thank you, thank you, and thank you. Today on the podcast, we are talking to Vince Nero. Vince is a content marketing manager at Siege Media. We're going to talk a little bit about his journey into the SEO space. I'm always fascinated with people's stories about how they got involved in SEO. So we're going to ask him a little bit about that, talk about his background. Uh, then we're going to talk about his article in his uh, this uh, issue one of 2019, uh, where he writes about Extending your reach, creating content for multiple outreach markets. Thanks again for joining us. Let's jump right in. I want to start out by getting to know you a little bit, just where you came from. You moved to New York City to study jazz, saxophone specifically at the Manhattan School of Music. So you started out in music, and what really makes me curious about something like that is how do you go from a degree and a in a pursuit of a passion of music and wind up on the West Coast in San Diego doing SEO? <laughs> yeah, great question. Yeah, I guess first off, thanks thanks so much for uh, having me on here. 
So yeah, yeah, to jump right in, I do. Yeah, I went to music school, uh, learned saxophone, studied in New York. I'm actually I'm from like outside of Philly in New Jersey. So I studied in New York, lived there uh, for about 12 years. Um, and after I graduated school, I mean, I, I had kind of part-time jobs. I did catering. I did actually yeah. I worked at MLB. Uh, baseball, like the streaming web service. I used to do that as a part-time job. Oh my gosh. Um, so I had all of these kind of uh, non-music jobs that I was spending all of my time doing, you know, while still trying to kind of pursue that goal, becoming a professional jazz musician in New York City, which is probably one of it's the best place to do it, but also one of the harder places. The hardest, right? I'm about to say it's like that's got to be one of the hardest things to break into. You know, it's almost like movies or television or something like that. It's, it's, it's got to be tough. Yeah. So um, essentially, I I kind of started doing marketing at one of my first jobs out of school was I was working in a music booking agency. It was like a friend of the family kind of thing got me this job, and I was just like an executive assistant. And I had a lot of free time. One of the things I started doing was just kind of like getting, I was always interested in advertising, marketing, um, more advertising. And I started just kind of uh, devouring anything that I could online that yeah. was out there, you know, like Linda courses and just reading everything I could. Um, eventually, I got a job as like a marketing assistant at a nonprofit in New York uh, called right. NYC Technical. And from there, I worked with a lot of different startups and, like, got to know the New York City tech scene, which was really cool. And eventually, I met up with – I started doing freelance work on my own, and I met up with a couple guys who, you know, wanted to do – start, like, a little mini agency. So I kind of worked in this agency-type uh, arena. We did – more like PPC stuff, but I was kind of more of the, uh, they would do the PPC and I, I like uh -huh. helped build the blog out for uh, clients and I did some graphic design and that kind of stuff. And what this all is leading to is I actually <laughs> came on, um, Brian Dean, like Backlinko kind of came up in one yeah. of our conversations and I, I, yeah, kind of like got lost in this whole, his whole realm of, um, you know, skyscraper technique and a lot of it like really resonated with me just, but the parts of it that did, I guess the most were uh, just the fact of just like making something that's great. And, and I feel yeah. like that's probably his biggest takeaway from, especially from that is like, you just have to make something that people are going to like and better than what's out there already. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have taken his class, the SEO that worked being like an online course. It, tied in really well with what Siege Media did. And after living in New York for so long, I decided that I just, m my wife and I wanted a, a change of scenery. So, sure. Um, yeah, I, this kind of all worked out. The stars aligned right. for me at Siege Media because uh, it was a lot of the same stuff I was doing. So Yeah, man, that's that's a journey. And I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> um, I mean, it really is. You know, it, yeah. and, but I wonder, it, it can't be far off from, from many of us that are would consider ourselves in SEO today or, or carry some form of that title. When you think of the industry in its infancy, really, I mean, it's only nobody called themselves in SEO, what, you know, two decades ago. So there's an element that a lot of people, I think, probably are, are 
in this industry, not through, you know, coming out of high school or, or coming out of college going, you know, I think I want to be an SEO when I grow up. <laughs> so I, 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 I'm sure your story is, is similar to, me, to many others. I'm curious, uh, do you find any connection with uh, your previous pursuits um, in music and the discipline of music with uh, the discipline of what you do now uh, with with content and, and link building and, and that whole kind of environment? Are, are there anything that you, ta- you took from that and, and it's made you better at what you're doing now because of those disciplines? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I wish I could say, you know, like link building is like writing a, a great song and like have some. Sure, sure. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I don't, I don't think there's a hundred percent connection with anything. Nah. I mean, one of the biggest things for me is probably just the work ethic. Um, when I when I was yeah. learning, studying, um, just. Yeah, you know that, that like the I discipline mean, of hard work, really. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. applying and, that in there, and, and kind of maybe, I, I guess a good carryover is just um, attention to detail and and kind of like that want to um, perfectionism and like you want you want to create something that's really great. You want to create something that you're really proud of. I mean, that's probably one of the yeah. biggest things. That's like you're putting out this content, just like. If you're a singer or a songwriter or whatever, like that's attached to you. Anything that's coming out of a saxophone musically is like that's that's coming from you. And anything that's coming from your website, it's like you yeah. you should be proud of it if it does well. And and if it doesn't do well, you have to also be ready to yeah to uh, defend that. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. Well, let me transition into, you know, really one of the main reasons we're having this conversation is because you've not once but twice now have a featured article in uh, our uh, upcoming uh, issue of Pages. Uh, we're really stoked about this and, uh, you know, just to have you writing for us again and did, uh, wrote an amazing piece in our Q2 issue, uh, which was really on keyword research and just the background of keyword research and and so all our articles featured on that. And uh, in that uh, issue, uh, you wrote an article called Linking or Link with Intent. Now, one of the things I loved about what you said in that was you made the statement about that that it's our job to get into the the reader's head. So when we're talking about linking with intent, it's about, it's about getting into the mind of, of, of the reader and, and what they're thinking and how they're seeing things. And, and so I do want to talk about the upcoming issue, article that you have in our Q1 issue of 2019. But I want to take a moment and, and recognize this article because I thought it was so good. But tell me a little bit more about what does it look like to get into the reader's head? Yeah, well, thanks for the kind words about that. Yeah. I- I think, I mean, that at the core of all marketing kind of should be what it's all about. And maybe that's what drew me to it from the start. But yeah, I mean, being able to kind of just see things from other perspective, I mean, I, it's a valuable tool in any business, but especially in marketing, I mean, you, you find so many people, uh, you know, CEOs, I've had jobs where like they only want to do things one way because that it looks great to them. And, and, you know, you have to fight tooth and nail to get them to realize that, you know, just because you see something one way doesn't mean that's how everyone else sees it. So, um, yeah, being able to kind of step outside yourself and like look at uh, the, 
the things that you're creating in a, a different light. I mean, I, we do that here. You know, we try to teach people here to do that, um, new yeah. hires and stuff. But then also there's, you know, uh, a, an area where you have to uh, lean on some of your peers, I guess, to help you out with that, too. I mean, you have to be open to that as well. <laughs> yeah, you hit on an interesting – you said something interesting there I want to come back to. You talk about uh, – you mentioned how you've worked in organizations with CEOs that have been – uh, reluctant to to broaden the way that they see things, and I imagine if um, listeners are listening to this, that is not an uncommon theme where you are within an organization trying to do something new or, or helping those above you see the world in a different way. Could could you maybe provide a a uh, a tip an action that that you might say to someone who's saying, "Yeah, oh man, I resonate with that. My boss, my manager, my so and so, they're they're really struggling to see it in this way." What would you encourage them with? Um, data is one thing. I mean, if you can find articles that back it up. I mean, if we pitch stuff to to our clients and they're not uh, into it, you know, that's one of the things. But also looking at what competitors are doing, I think, is important to. You know, you can make the case one way that the industry is working this way, so this is, you know, we should follow suit. But on the flip side of that, maybe you want to stand out, so maybe there are there is something. If everybody is doing it, something one way and it's not working for you, you know, do the the flip of that. But I, I would think that's probably those are probably the two biggest ones. Is like okay. the, the do that thing and and looking at competitors. Yeah, yeah, no, that's really good. Yeah, how does keyword research play a role in this effort, and uh, how valuable is is keyword research in the you know what you're talking about linking with intent? So, basically, with the keyword research, I mean, there I think in a lot of different industries there are just certain types of keywords and searches that people do that are you know kind of custom made for journalists and people that are writing and doing research around that topic to uh, lean on to to link to in their pieces. So I talked about, I think I used like a coffee statistics. The, the coffee was my yep. theme probably because we're drinking coffee. Yep. Um, I'm also a coffee <laughs> lover as well if you want to ask me coffee questions. <laughs> so yeah, coffee statistics I think was, you know, that being a keyword where if somebody were to be writing an article about say some News, yeah, some news outlet wanted to write an article about coffee and they wanted some type of stat to back up. I mean, again, that's kind of getting into the, the head of like the user in that scenario is like, okay, is that my, the end user of this piece might not be the customer, uh, that's going to buy my coffee subscription box or whatever, but the end result, the end user of this piece of content might actually be like journalists who are going to be writing about coffee, which helps you know, in branding your company and, and again, getting some links uh, to your site. So, yeah, just kind of thinking about how your content is going to be utilized. Um, yeah, there's there's keywords. And, and just thinking about that, you know, the, the different types of keywords, whether they're informational, you know, commercial, transactional, yeah. that kind of thing. I think I touched on that a little bit in the article. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good segue into kind of how you take um, in this next article, uh, take it into uh, a new level here. It's almost building upon some of those concepts you talked about in the previous one. So in this uh, newest article that you wrote for us, you uh, you talk about creating content from multiple outreach markets. You know, when I was uh, reading through and seeing this this concept, you made this statement, you know, uh, creating content with more than one outreach market from the start. And that, that statement, outreach market, really stood out to me because I don't think I've ever heard anybody phrase it exactly in those terms. And, and, and maybe I've just not seen it, but it's actually widely known. But I wanted for those that may be like me to say outreach market, like that was a unique term that uh, tell me a little bit more about what an outreach market is and, and what does that look like? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that I wonder if <laughs> maybe just like a, a siege mediaism. Um, okay. I, I know that we use that internally. But yeah, I mean, essentially part of the, the work that we do here with siege is, you know, not, not only creating articles for people or sorry, posts and content for people, but then also promoting it. Okay. And so when you look at the, you know, promotion side, um, we also call it outreach. Yeah. So that's kind of where that came from. But I, I think I put in a article, a link to an article from Citation Labs. Yep, um, they, they might have called it linkable audiences or linkable markets, something like that. Okay. Um, so what you're, you're, you're essentially just communicating what is the potential market for this thing that we've created. Yeah, that... exactly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the outreach, so you're talking about starting with like, if you're creating a piece of content, you need to understand how viable that content is within any given market. You want to promote that thing. Exactly. Yeah. Because, you know, if you're coming up with stuff that nobody is going to, want to share. I mean, it, it gets back to that idea of like where I think a lot of, you know, Brian Dean has had success and, and a lot of these guys have had success in pitching and pushing their services is that a lot of people back in the day would just blog about whatever they wanted to blog about. And right. in, in some regards, that's, that works. Some industries, that's fine. But if you want to get eyes on the page and eyes on your blog, there's certain strategies that you can do to increase that. And, you know, it's basically like tying, uh, do, doing everything with a market in mind or like a keyword in mind, a topic in mind that you know has some type of audience. Yeah. I, I mean, it's I, like anything like that. Uh, like a, any product that you release, like if a, that, that's what they sell startups, you know, yeah. make sure there's a market before you release some, you know, technology that nobody needs. <laughs> you know, that seems so foundational, but I but I wonder even as you're just talking about this, my mind is going through like how many times I've been a part of conversations where that's not even a part of the thinking. Like it's it's a lot of organizations just focus so much on the content and they haven't even considered how that content might live within the market that they exist in. It's almost like not even a thought. Do you see that to be true? Do you see companies almost skip that process? They're just more worried about the content than they are about, is this going to do anything anywhere? Yeah, I've seen that. I mean, I feel like that happens a lot in those really small environments where maybe the, like we said, there's a CEO with a, you know, really myopic view on things. 
but then also in like really big companies where there's a lot of moving parts and it's hard to get things changed or, you know, uh, the, the content calendar is, they're, they're doing content, you know, like a year in advance or something crazy like that. You gotta kind of sometimes have that sweet spot of, you know, if the, if the machine is working well in your, the company, then it works. But when it doesn't, it definitely hurts. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really excited for people to get their hands on this, on this article. Uh, you actually go into a bit more in depth about identifying this this outreach market and ways to, to look at it and understand it. And so it's going to be great for people to, to see that. I think it'll be really helpful for a lot of people. I want to move into kind of the next area that this article touches on. You know, this kind of area is one of those things that is often misunderstood and or can be taken out of context to mean something else entirely. And we're talking about pitching content for links. And I bring this up because, you know, it's almost in our world this taboo, this this subject that it's almost like do you even want to say that, like the idea of pitching content for links? Um, and you make this statement, and, and I really just want to play a little devil's advocate for you. I'm really curious to see how you'd respond. But you make this question, you make this statement, if you're pitching your content to publishers or bloggers to get links, be sure to change the focus of your pitch so that it directly fits the market. So there's this inference here in in the statement that, this accepted idea that you are creating content that you're pitching to get links, and we're all good with that. And I think that some might say in in our world and space that you should just worry about making great content and not worry about the links. How would you respond to that? Yeah, so I, I guess to address the, the first part and, and what I mentioned in the article, yeah, I yeah. – um, I think that one, you know, talking about making sure that the the pitch matches what the the journalist is writing about. I mean, I think that's one side of it, and that's for those people who are doing uh, link building and trying to get you know that content that they created out there and get some shares to it. And just to I guess clarify that more is just you know you don't want to pitch. If, if you created some great, you know, home loan calculator or something, uh, interactive piece or something, uh, you know, you, you don't want to pitch it to every single journalist the same exact way. That's the kind of stuff that gives link building a bad name and pitching, you know, doing link outreach and all that kind of stuff. When, I mean, yeah. we try to do things the way that a PR agency would do. I mean, yeah. we, we have a lot of people with a background in PR that come from PR and it's that kind of, you know, you want to cultivate relationships with, with journalists, bloggers, anybody that you can, because, you know, you're not only learning from them every single time, but like you're learning what works in different industries and what doesn't work. So yeah, that's one of the things I wanted to say, I guess is yeah. just, there are definitely bad practices out there, and you kind of talked about that a little bit. Like there is like a taboo around some of this, and I, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I think 
where that comes from is just people kind of exploiting things and not uh, doing it the right way, you know. Yeah. <laughs> when, for the quick. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. No, it, it's. I mean, I think you're exactly right. And and when I've had conversations with people uh, around this idea. You know, I've often used the analogy that it, the abuse of this thing has become the problem, not the thing itself. And, yeah, um, you know, and I, and I would argue that as Google has pursued more uh, actionable steps towards link building, it's been towards the abuse, not the idea of promotion in and of itself. And um and I think that's really, really helped too, is that, you know, just like anything, there's there's abuse in everything and, and you know, our job is to uh to really push and, and promote that you know, there is a proper way to, to handle this thing. And yes, there has been abuse, but that doesn't mean it's inherently wrong. You know? Yeah, that's yeah. a great way of putting it. And you know, I, I have definitely you know, you read those articles talking about how link building is dead or um, links don't matter anymore, but I think it all kind of does stem from that where people are willing to take these stances of that, uh, you know, anti-link building because of that, it, because it's had such a bad name. But yeah, if you ask any of those people, like, uh, is PR dead? No, should we still be dead? And they, I'm sure 100% say no, like that's still a very valuable right. thing. So as long as you're doing it the right way, I think link building works. Yeah. So we're going to do a little uh, segment here, uh, Rapid Fire SEO Questions with Vince. And so this is something where I've, I've got some questions for you, and, uh, and, and how we're going to do this is I'm just going to shoot the question over to you. You just answer it to the best of your ability, expand, don't expand, short and sweet, long, I'm good with it all. Um, but this is just going to uh, be a fun, just rapid-fire question after question to you, and, and let's see where we go. Are you ready for this, Vince? Yeah, let's do it. Awesome, awesome. All right, question one. Is there ever a time where mid-to-low funnel content can be linkable? And if so, how? Yeah, and uh, a good example I can think of off the top of my head is, I think it's SeatGeek has this really cool tool where – when you're buying seats to a stadium, baseball tickets specifically, they have a tool that tells you the percentage of home runs hit to that particular seat or like oh. the, the percentage, you know, That's so you awesome. can pick some seats in the outfield. So I think, man, like if you're creative enough, you can make it work. Right. And that's one example of something I think they, they really nail it. And yeah, so being that, creative, I think. Did you, you say seat geeks or? I think it's Seat Geek. Well, yeah, singular, one, one geek. All right, all right. I'll link to that in the show notes for sure. That sounds good. All right, well, second question. How can I best use my top funnel content to influence priority pages on my site? I think internal linking is probably the best uh, chance there. So, you know, trying to tie something to a product page or to like a category page, um, tie it to, yeah, the priority pages either in the, the intro, I mean, where you've seen people do it incorrectly, uh, it fails miserably. So just kind of be aware, like you don't want it to sound overly commercial. You, in the sense that you don't want to like, you know, you shouldn't be squeezing a link to your product page if it doesn't make any sense. Third question, is there a difference between link earning and link building? Yeah, I think link building is definitely something you're doing actively, whereas 
um, link earning is, uh, I mean, even my old, my first post there, like creating those, those types of posts around keywords that have, you know, link intent kind of to them. Mm-hmm. Where the statistics post or something that's going to, if you tie it to keyword traffic, uh, it can kind of passively get you links over time. And that's going to help it grow higher in the rankings, which is going to get you more links, which is going to help it rank more, you know. Yeah. So it's yeah. this little, this little flywheel that you can create. Earning is passive, I'd say. All right. All right. Last question. What kind of link building should I invest in 2019? Um, I, I, I foresee the landscape going, uh, people just creating better. The, the people that are going to have success are the ones that are breaking the mold and creating those, you know, cornerstone pieces of content that are just killer. You know, taking something that's been done to death and then just putting a new spin on it. But yeah, the creative content marketers are the ones that are going to have the most success with link building. Because like you said, like it has such a stigma to it. And I think you just have to kind of do what you can to like get ahead of that curve constantly. And that's just by creating something really great and being, being creative and investing in that creative end of it as well. does it for this episode of Between the Pages. Thank you so much for listening in. If you would be so kind to leave us a review, rate us, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, get the word out about this podcast, share it with other people. And uh, thank you again, just for listening. Special thank you to Vince for taking the time to talk with me. It was just a great, great conversation. Really enjoyed it. And uh, we'll, we'll talk soon. Everybody have a great day.